Welcome to the Credit Carl Show. I'm your host, Credit Carl, where every week I teach you how to master the credit game so you can create wealth. Every rich person that you know reached their level of wealth by leveraging their credit. So I'm going to bring you free credit tips. We're going to interview some business leaders that leverage their credit. And I'm on a mission to teach you to do the same. Welcome to the Credit Carl Show. I'm your host, Credit Carl, where I come to you weekly. And the name of the game is Mastering Credit So You Can Create Wealth. Every rich person that you know and I know reached their level of wealth by leveraging their credit. It's that important. I have a very special guest on today, Brian Benstock. He's with uh, Paragon Honda and Accurate in New York. He's the GM. He's the vice president. And he believes the future is frictionless, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me. A hundred percent. So you're down there in New York. Tell us about your journey in the car business. I deal with so many clients that make horrible decisions based off of their credit. Like your job is your, your credit. They walk into those dealerships and end up paying ridiculously high interest rates. So tell us about your, your journey in, in the car business. In 1982, I started selling cars. Um, uh, I guess it was uh, May of 1982. I was going to do it in the summer until something better came along. And when I started selling cars, I realized there are a lot of guys uh, there on the showroom floor with me that I didn't want to grow up to be like. Uh, but I also realized that there was a pretty good opportunity there. You know, that some of these uh, individuals were supporting families and houses and um, uh, children. And at the time, I lived in my, my mom and dad's basement apartment and had no overhead. So I said, if they can support real overhead, I, mean, I, I could do really well for myself. And um, uh, the journey has been now to take a look at how we can do it a little bit better than the people before. That journey hasn't stopped some 34 years later, 35 years later. years later. I love it. 36 years later. God. 36. So yeah. what's that mean? So what's your, you, the future is frictionless and you were relating this to the car business. What's that mean? Well, you know, I mean, you take a look at what's going on around us, right? And initially we had the internet that was a place for information. Uh, the uh, internet went from informational to transactional um, and the transactional then, uh, you know, a couple of a company called Google started building a platform of search and you know, Google's search platform really enabled them to bring us, the consumers, to the product, whether the product was news, information, weather, or something that we wanted to purchase. And then along came a company called Amazon. And Amazon uh, developed, uh, used that platform. And really, you look at Bezos, he didn't invent anything new. He leveraged the stuffing out of the internet. He didn't invent Federal Express or UPS, but he leveraged his stuffing out of that. And he took a different approach, right? Google brings the customer to the product. He took the approach, bring the product to the customer. And I, I think that's a really incredible distinction. And didn't I understand it best when I first received one of those Amazon Alexas? And when I received that, uh, I love coffee, and there's always a cup of coffee not too far away from me. And I, I, I said this simple keywords, uh, Alexa, order coffee. And two seconds later, the machine asked me my code and I gave it the code. And the next day, I forgot about it, the next day at 10.30 in the morning, it showed up. 
And I, I, I was stunned by that transaction. It's a very simple transaction, but it was a perfectly executed transaction involving no human beings. Yep. And, and I thought, how do we compete with that? You know, because my uh, business in auto sales is still very heavily reliant on, on people. Yeah. And one after another call, I brought the people into my office, manager after manager, and I repeated the same drill to the point where I had 40 boxes of coffee in my office. And I kept saying to them, how do we compete with that? That was a perfectly executed transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also realized it didn't involve a swipe. It didn't involve touch. It was all voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has now evolved where at that time there was one player in that market and it was Amazon. And now if you look, uh, 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 Google has, of course, the Google home device. Google yep. is, Apple has a device there and a number of other uh, players, but really there's two players. It's Amazon and Google. And, and as they, they move, they're spreading the platform. Amazon uh, has a number of these Alexa devices all over the country. Google uh, was selling Google home devices at a rate of one per second after October of uh, 2017. So what do you say? We're going to be buying cars online. It's inevitable. It's common. It's in the future. Sure. Well, you can do it now, but I, I think it'll be more the norm. Uh, yeah. and, and, and frankly, uh, I don't want you here. You, if you don't need to be here, there, there's no benefits to you coming to the store, taking a parking space. If you uh, can now use leverage the information on the uh, internet and also, also the platform to obtain credit, to uh, obtain in, the best insurance quotes, yeah. then to be able to put all that together, click a button or have a voice prompt and have that product work directly to you, I think everybody wins. Brian, what do you say to, I got a good friend of mine who's one of the top sales guys at Piazza Honda in PA. Um, and I told him you were coming on the show and he goes, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, he goes, people are emotional about cars. They're emotional attachment to them. They got to come in. They got to fall in love with them. What do you, what do you say to that? I, you know, I know the Piazza group well, and, uh, they're, they're a good organization. I know, uh, Vince Piazza, the patriarch of the family, uh, super uh, pioneer in the space, but you know, he's dead wrong. Uh, There's not a little bit of, I think there is a space and there'll always be a space to have a boutique where people can view uh, automobiles, touch and and feel. Uh, But the reality of the emotional connection with a vehicle, um, I I think cars have now become transportation is a commodity like anything else. And we're seeing with Lyft and Uber and Rideshare, uh, how people are looking at their transportation very differently than they ever did before. You know, uh, just think back, and uh, I'm a Gary Vee fan, and I think you are as well. Yep. Gary Vee said it, and uh, said it very clearly. You know, when, when the, when the uh, high school kid graduated from Greenwich College, back, uh, Greenwich High School back in the day, dad would get them a, a red a convertible BMW. Today, if you ask the same college student, would they like a red convertible BMW? or they're like an unlimited access Uber card, they'll pick eight out of 10, they'll pick the Uber card. Uh, and imagine that, that today we're comfortable putting our children in a car with a stranger, an unknown car with a stranger. But the reality is it's just, a, it's a more convenient way for people to, to, to move around, especially in cities. Um, I think they're, you know, t- t- tomorrow's business model will look like a boutique for people to see, touch and feel, especially in the luxury brands, uh, but more and more, um, people who are familiar with cars and familiar with uh, the quality of the cars would be very comfortable buying cars online. Well, you just said something that's that, that, that resonates, especially in the luxury. You're going to see more people buying online or through voice in the future, the luxury cars, right? So um, 
I'll give you an example. My, I, just as I'm researching, I'm like, you know, where are we going with this show? Um, you know, doing some research on, on what value I want to bring to the audience. And I asked my wife, she literally just ordered a Range Rover through the car dealership and she never drove a Range Rover before. So she ordered brand new 2018 and she told the guy, this is what I want. I want X, Y, and Z. And I don't care if it takes three months. However, this is what I want. So I, so I'm yelling at her as I'm writing stuff down here. I said, did you, have you ever driven a Range Rover before? She goes, no, but she knew she wanted it and she ordered it. And that's it. You know, I have a, you know, a Honda and Acura dealership. There are a couple of cars that I've purchased that are really outside of what, what Honda and Acura do. One is a, a, an Escalade. You know, we, we have a, a large family and uh, we grew up skiing and I've got five kids and my wife and six of us and a dog and seven of us there. You know, the, the Honda parts were great, but they'd be too stuffed. So I bought an Escalade. I bought three. I, I've never gone to the Cadillac dealership. I pick up the phone, send it here. Uh, they made one mistake. They sent me the short body instead of a long body they said it's the wrong one they sent they took it back and sent me one and you know it's only you know I, that's a convenience because i'm busy we're all busy right from the guy that's a you know construction worker uh or, or a sheetrock uh mason uh, uh to to banking uh, uh personnel we're all busy and anything that can make more efficient use of our time is going to cause a disruption and and you know again we don't disrupt consumers disrupt and if they find a better way to do something, they move in herds in that direction. Oh, 100%. Um, let's talk. I want to I wanna, uh, transition this over to credit because, as I mentioned in the beginning, I, so many people make bad decisions, impulse decisions based on high interest rates and stuff like that. But before we get into it, let's talk a little bit. You and I were talking about, you know, my coach and mentor, um, Stu Middleman, who wrote a book, uh, Slow Burn. You guys should definitely check that out. Stu's my coach. He's completely changed my life. Um, never ran before, with the exception of three years ago when I started working with him. And um, he's got this quote that life is definitely, you know, not a sprint, it's a marathon. And everything that I'm looking to do with my health and fitness, it's long term. It's how do I stay as healthy as possible? for as long as I can, okay, uh, because that's that's the name of the game, right? So do you buy into that? Because I had a guest on earlier on the podcast that said, no, anyone that says life's a marathon is lying to you. They haven't accomplished anything. What do you think? Oh, it's it's absolutely a marathon. And in fact, and I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to say business is a marathon. And it, it, there's nothing more analogous than running a business than the marathon, right? You're taking limited resources and getting those resources to last the longest possible time. And, and when you train for a marathon, that's really what it is. If you go out of the box hot in a marathon, uh, you, you're going you're gonna to have a problem. You there was a chance. Great, great story. Uh, Boston Marathon a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, a guy comes out, uh, and, uh, a Caucasian guy. Brian, Brian, I got to cut you off. I did a shitty job explaining the whole running connection Brian actually qualified for the Boston Marathon, London, and New York. And Boston Marathon, okay, it's somewhere in the low three-hour range. It is a very difficult to qualify for. So finish your story. I apologize. Okay. So this, this guy comes out um, out of nowhere, and he, he goes ahead of the leading pack, and he's running at a, like a 405, 410 pace. And one of the announcers, commentators, comments to the other, oh, my God, who is this guy? He's, he's unbelievable. And the, the experienced runner commentators said back, he's going to get about two miles and he's <laughs> going to hand him a piano. And, and he's, he's not going to know what hit him. 
sure enough, this guy who was running a, at a, a sub two hour pace for the first two and a half miles ended up with a decent time. I, I think 307 or 308, but it, it, you just can't go out and, and speed like that. It's not, it's not possible. And I think in business, you know, if you were to take all of your advertising dollars and jettison them in a very short period of time, you may have a, an uplift, but then what do you do when the party's over? You know, and and uh, you still got 24 metaphoric miles to run. And so you've got to make sure that you can use your resources uh, over a prolonged period of time. And that's right. I think that the, some of the best athletes, not, not some of the best athletes in the world are the professional marathon runners. A hundred percent. He has a quote that I live by, Brian. I say it to my audience all the time, which is how you feel at any given moment may not determine how you might feel in the next moment when you're running a marathon, right? It could feel like the world's ending. You get a little bit of a water, right? You hydrate, um, you slow down, you breathe, you focus again. All of a sudden, you're back in touch with you know, your senses again, and then you pick back up again, right? And so many times people get caught up with that in life where it's like, they're so, oh, I don't feel well. Um, my side hurts and I might have this and that. You're like, listen, how you felt 10 minutes ago, you can change that, boom, that fast. Yeah. Yeah, the, the quote that I uh, that resonates with me is the same thing, but, but it's run the mile you're in. Don't worry about that next mile. Run the mile you're in. And, you know, if, if you've done the training, rely on that. Now, we can have bad days. Uh, we can, we can uh, blow up, as they say. Uh, but if you've done the training, run the mile you're in, you'll get through it. And it's natural, just like in any endeavor, that you're going to have maybe some gastro problems. You're going to have maybe some pain someplace, a stitch uh, someplace else, but if you train properly and you get through it, uh, you'll be glad you didn't give up, you didn't quit. Yeah, well, you know, I got to keep going on the running thing. I'm, I promise we're going to bring some credit value here. I'm not, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. So what do you, what are your feelings on if you guys, if you can't, if you're listening to this on the podcast and you can't see Brian Benstock, I'm going to tell you right now, I can see the way his suits cut that he's in very, very good shape. I have a, a high level of respect for marathon runners. So Stu also taught me that your, your day starts the night before. How do you feel about that when you're prepping for a marathon or you're prepping for business? How important is it to be prepared the night before? Uh, prior proper planning prevents poor performance, right? It's PPP, uh, P, uh, we, we call it. And, and of course, you, you know, you've got to really have the annual plan that feeds into the monthly plan, that feeds into the weekly plan, that feeds into the daily plan. And so, you know, preparing today for tomorrow needs to be in the context of what's the plan for the week, the month, the year, so that you're making sure that each, each of that is contributing to your bigger vision of yourself. And, and Stu's 100% right. You know, the, the uh, detail of preparing today for what I'm going to do tomorrow in, uh, impacts decisions I'll make today, right? I'm not going to go out till uh, 3 o'clock in the morning tonight if I've got to meet the guys in Central Park or the gals in Central Park tomorrow morning for a 17-mile run. And, and, and it's too late tomorrow to say, you know, gee, I should have prepared better. So you really do have to prepare at least, you know, uh, um, a day in advance. I, I've been told also, the longer your time horizon, the longer time horizon you set for yourself, the more likely you are to be success, uh, successful. So if, if you're looking at being able to, let's say from today to run in October, the Chicago Marathon, that, that preparation should take 16 weeks. And you should really have that detailed out what you're going to do. And I think the same thing when we do talk about credit, I mean, th there's a plan. You, you, you can make a decision today to impact 
your future finances, your future in credit. You won't get there in one day. But the decision you make today starts you on your journey. A hundred percent. And we were shooting the ship before the show. Brian said, Brian goes, you know, when you need credit and your credit's bad, that's when you can't. So everyone tries to get credit or fix their credit when their credit's not bad, right? That's why the same thing, this prepping beforehand and being proactive about your credit. So when you need it, it's easy to get financing. So um, Brian, I got some numbers here, right? And, and listen, I just, I'm Googling some of like, I'm in PA, so I, I see what the state uh, max is. But let's just look at this as far as, you know, how credit impacts buying a vehicle. If I use an example of like a $25,000 car at 3% for five years, the payment's like four fifty dollars a month. But with bad credit, okay, let's say you're up at the 21% range, the payment's six seventy six dollars a month. The difference is $226 over five years. That's $13,000 that car costs you more based on having a 580 score or maybe a seven, you know, 710, 720 score. Yeah, well, it's, it's a tax you pay, really, isn't it? It's a tax you pay for, for not living up to the promises that you may have made in the, in, in the past. Uh, you know, when you borrow money from a lender, you're, you're making a promise, a promise for a promise. You're telling them that you promised to do this, and they're promising uh, that they'll lend you the money based on those terms. If you don't uh, adhere to the, that, that promise, there will be a cost to that in the future. And isn't it a, a sad irony that the people who can least afford to pay more end up paying more? You know, but, but, but again, I see it from the bank's standpoint. They've got to build into their portfolio, and they've got to account for that risk. And you know, the, the banks tend to spend a lot of time lending to money, uh, proving that they can lend money to people that really don't need to borrow the money. And the people that do truly need to borrow it are going to pay, uh, unfortunately, rates sometimes that are just uh, obscene. I got to tell you, that's extremely powerful, Brian. You're paying attention to this podcast out here. We got, we got Brian Benstock, um, the VP and um, GM of Paragon Honda and Acura in New York. Uh, who's seen a thing or two guys been in the auto industry. I think he said 36 years um, has seen it all. And he just said something that, you know, having bad credit. Okay. When you pay more for a vehicle, that's a tax you pay for having bad credit in, in essence is what it is. And that's, yeah. and that's, and that's, it's a tax that you don't have to pay if you're proactive and you're preparing in the meantime. So, you know, what advice would you give someone that's walking into a car dealership with a 580 credit score? Like you tell them, get the car like today and deal with it later on. Or you say, just, you know, make an investment in your credit. What's the advice there? Well, you know, transportation for many of us is not an option. It's, it's, a, it's a need. And I would always say shop around, get the best rate possible, not, not only within the dealership, but outside of the dealership. Often the banks have what's known as a captive lender which would be, in our case, American Honda. And American Honda's rates are often as good or better than some of the financial institutions. But I do think it's prudent and, uh, on the part of the buyer to understand what their credit score is and what the best available fund rate is for them when they're uh, contemplating making a major purchase of an automobile on. Yeah. Keep in mind, 90% of our customers uh, finance their vehicles. And we're selling about uh, 1,300 cars a month. So that's going to put us at about 1,100 uh, automobile loans or leases that we're uh, a part of with uh, our customers every single month. Yep. 
I was on, um, uh, Matt Monero was kind enough to have me on his podcast. If you guys aren't following him, you definitely want to follow Matt. You need more money's his book. And he kept asking me, I have this phrase, which is credit cocky. He kept saying, what is this credit cocky thing? And I said, credit cocky is when you walk into a car dealership and you have an 800 credit score and you call the shots. It's like a power shift versus, you know, the sales guy or the dealership, you feeling like, I hope I walk out of this dealership with a card today. When you have an 800 credit score, you don't think that way. You're calling the shots. It's a power shift. That's what credit cocky is. Yeah, and you're able to concentrate on the, the, the one variable there. It's the price of the car. And you, and you can walk around and say, hey, I, you know, I know I'm going to get the loan. I don't need you for that. I'm going to make sure the deal's right on the car. And if the deal's not right, my, my credit, myself, or leaving, we'll go someplace else and do business. A hundred percent. You got to get yourself credit cocky. It's a great feeling. I actually, that phrase was coined by a local uh, uh, disc jockey and we were running some radio ads. I spent a ton of money trying to make, trying to make radio work, trying to force it to work before social media. And we came in and he, we were trying to, I said, how do we get this message out there that people need to make an investment in their, in their credit? And he goes, well, you, you, they got to be credit cocky when you walk into a dealership and it just stuck to this day. And it's, it's That's true. Right. Anytime I walk into a dealership, I'm like, I got, I have the power. What are your terms and rates? And we'll go from there. there so, there's a term uh, for customers that have bad credit. They're, they're really just, they just want to get a loan and they, you know, they want someone to get them done. Get, and so the, the, the term is get me done. And I think that would be really the most disadvantageous way for a consumer to walk into a business or an automobile dealership because if they're just trying to get an approval that means they'll basically take any terms that are given to them and that's uh, certainly not a position that we want our customers to be negotiating from uh, it's a business is business brian so right i mean you gotta do what you have to do well you know, you know the good thing is uh we, we put a cap on uh the amount of money that's marked up uh, and no matter how, what your credit is that cap doesn't change for us at Paragon. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to take advantage of someone's uh, uh, disadvantage. Yes. And, you know, many, many times there are alternatives that are available for a consumer. I just think it's so important, especially with all the information that's at your fingertips today, that consumers go online, uh, get pre-approved before they go in to get a car loan, get pre-approved before they obtain uh, a credit on a major investment like a mortgage uh, or a car, and, uh, and then make the best deal that they can. So Brian, would you give that tip to someone, what you just said, that makes sense, is your tip before you walk into a car dealership, go online, have someone pull your credit, because you might save yourself some aggravation or, you know. And well, knowledge is power, right? And even if the score is not a great score, you can say, hey, I have a 570 score, but uh, my local credit union will give me a loan at you know, 5% or 6%. And so if, if, if a dealer was charging you 8 9%, I would say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can get it at 5%. And keep in mind, I think a lot of people don't understand the numbers. A difference between 8% uh, APR and 5% is not three percentage points. It, it, it's more like a 50% difference in the amount of interest charge, right? Uh, well, if, if there's a three Explain that. Explain that. Go deeper with that. Is, is a, if the difference between 5 and 8% is three percentage points. But it's three percentage points of 5 that makes up 60% more expense for interest. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people think it's only 3%. But when you're talking about going from 5 to 8, you're, you're talking about a 60% increase in, in the amount of interest that they'll pay 
over the term of the loan. And, I, and again, a lot of times, if people don't understand that, they don't understand the cumulative effect of making these bad decisions and what that'll have and what that'll do to their overall costs. And, and again, unfortunately, most of the time, these are the people that can least afford to make those kind of mistakes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So do you know the answer to this? Are you guys, do you use as like a dealership, do you use FICO scores or do you use Vantage scores? Do you ever go on any of those other sites where they use like, uh, like Credit Karma scores or stuff like that? Well, we, we, there are FICO scores that are used by our lenders. So we're going to use whatever uh, criteria the lenders are using so that we make sure that we're looking at the same thing that they're looking at so that when we understand if we get a disposition that's not favorable, that we're looking at the same information. So there's a, a FICO scores, there's FICO auto scores that we're looking at. So you're looking at the FICO auto scores. Is it one bureau? Because normally when I go into a dealership, you know, like much like different from the, uh, the mortgage industry, the mortgage industry takes all three scores. They look at the medium score, right? I feel like when I walk into a car dealership, they're always using the best score, the highest score, or does that just happen to be the luck of the bureau, one bureau that you may have taken a look at? We're going to take a look at three. Okay. Uh, and, and what we're going to try and do is we make a case for them for the bank. I would make a case here. Uh, for uh, many little lenders, um, that the dealership sometimes, many customers, excuse me, uh, many dealerships can make better decisions for them than they can get from their private lenders. The reason for that is we have a vested interest in seeing that the customer gets a loan. The private lender doesn't. They're going to make a yes or no decision. And we can sometimes look beyond the FICO score because that doesn't tell the whole story. You know, sometimes somebody had a couple of bumps in the road or perhaps disputes with a, a, a borrower that's impacting their credit negatively. So we're able to talk to the bank and say, look, even though this happened with their cell phone bill, look, they paid all of their automobile loans on time. So we think they qualify for your, your better or your best rate. And I don't know that you can do that on the outside. Still, I think it's important for consumers to, you know, there's no such thing as being uneducated today. I'm sorry. Every, every one of us has uh, access to the internet. Every one of us has access uh, to, to be able to search and to do the research. That extra half an hour, 45 minutes in the shopping process away from the dealership can really be an advantage to the customers. I say away from the dealership because uh, sometimes emotions get involved. So you see something, a shiny object, and you want to get it. And sometimes that's not always in the best interest of the person making the purchase. 100%. Good. Um, Brian, I got to have, I, I always want to leave the audience with, you know, the name of the show is Master Credit to Create Wealth. I want to leave them with a takeaway or two. So I, I got a bunch of notes here. I'm going to recap on though. But before I do, just, just give me one or two takeaways for someone that's walking into a car dealership right now. Like what's the advice you're giving? Know your numbers and be prepared. Uh, knowing your numbers and being prepared uh, means that you, you're going to know the best rate that you can get from a lender, uh, whether it be a private lender, credit union, uh, and, and have that information before you go into the dealership. I would recommend also give the dealership an opportunity to earn your money uh, business or, or to provide the loan because the dealer has a vested interest in seeing that you get a competitive loan because without that, you may not buy the car from them. So you're able to put the leverage in the consumer's uh, pocket. So the, the customer maybe has a, a, a loan offer from somebody else for five or 6%. They go into the dealer. If the dealer is offering eight, nine percent, wait a second, I can get a loan. percent. In fact, I want you to match that loan or better yet beat it. Or I'm going to take my business elsewhere. And I think it changes the power dynamic. But when you go in there and you're not informed, uh, it, it's really unfortunate because 
many times after a person's made a decision and they go through the transaction, they go back to the dealer a couple of days later and say, Gee, I made a mistake. And that's not the time to negotiate your transaction. Right, right, right. So know, so know your numbers and be prepared. Those are the two tips. I love that. Um, you know, me personally, I, I had a, a repossession. I told this on my earlier podcast. I had a repo 10 or 11 years ago at a Mercedes dealership. It was a voluntary repo. I walked in, handed them the keys. Not that that makes a difference with your credit, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, it doesn't really matter. It saved me the embarrassment of somebody towing my car away at work. Um, but it was 10 or 11 years ago. I handed them the keys and I went back into that same dealership at the beginning of this year. And all they knew was my score right now, which was top tier, was in the high sevens. And they didn't even know that I had a repo with them. And I walked out of there with a brand new big body bend. So, you know, motivation for people out there that are listening that, you know, time heals a lot of wounds. And if you make an investment in your credit and you get it back on track, it doesn't matter what happened, you know, five or 10 years ago. You can, you can overcome stuff like that. So um, I want to recap on some things that, that Brian said. Um, you know, I, I love the bad credit. It's a tax you pay for having bad credit. If you walk into a car dealership and your credit is not at the top tier, and Brian, there's a lot of people that lie to themselves, right? Like most of the stuff that I see online, you want to have a 700 plus in order to be credit cocky when you walk into a dealership. Not a credit karma score that says 660. Can you get a vehicle? Yes, but she's telling you, you're still going to pay somewhat of a tax because your credit's not at that top limit. Um, also talking about about, um, get me down bad credit, right? Um, get, what was my, get, me, get me done. You know, get, get me, me done. done. Sorry. And get me done. That's not the way you want to negotiate for the purchase of a car. And can you imagine all the time and effort you put into negotiating uh, uh, on, on the automobile and all of a sudden you end up paying six or $7,000 more than you should have in, in, in credit charges? Can you imagine that you're actually paying $7,000 more for a, a vehicle than the person next to you? because of your credit, it would be outrageous if you knew that. You'd never do it, but some people, they focus on the price of the car and not the cost of the credit or the cost of the overall transaction. You gotta look at that. So don't use that term. If you're walking into a car dealership, that is not a good idea to use it. Get me done. That means you'll take any deal right. And, and you know, these dealerships, they, there's a, a law they have to live by. They can't just charge you 30% with 10 points, but still, you know, you just don't want to say that. And then do your do your homework, man. Get pre-approved online. I think that's something that's just an amazing tip, right? If you know your credit's not great, or even if it is, but more on the not having great credit side, that still gives you power by getting pre-approved online, submitting the application, and then you kind of know before you walk into the dealership what, what you need to be prepared for, right? Carl, one last thing. You know, be prepared to walk away. If the deal is not a good deal for you, walk away. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the power that the consumer has today, and they always had. But you have the power uh, of of just refusing to play uh, the game and, and walk away. If you have any questions, it's too late after you've made the decision. So there you go. We got Brian Benstock dropping a lot of nuggets on the car industry. The future is frictionless. That's what he's talking about. Um, it's coming. It's inevitable. People can buy cars online right now, but eventually they're going to buy it maybe through voice where you never have to show up, deal with a salesman. You talk into Alexa and there you go. Your Range Rover shows up. You never had to deal with anything. That is frictionless. It's coming soon. 
It's, it's coming. Man, thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, I appreciate it. How do people get in touch with you if you want them to get in touch with you? I don't know the answer to that. Paragon Honda, 718-507-5000 in New York. You can uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, face, uh, Facebook. I'm all over the place. I'm really easy to reach and, and love to talk to people that have questions related and to credit. And it's brianbenstock.com, right, is your website. Brianbenstock.com, sure. Or, or just hit Google, hit, hit Paragon Google, we, we pop up. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. And tune in next week to uh, the Credit Carl Show, Master Your Credit to Create Wealth. I'm going to continue to bring on guests that did that, and I'm going to teach you how you need to do it yourself or it's costing you way too much money having bad credit. I promise you.